All right. Good morning, church. It's a great honor for us to be here. Um, before I start, let me say thank you to all of you that took time to wish me happy birthday. I really felt your sentiments, your love, and your kindness. Thank you. So God richly bless all of you. I just want to make sure I, I mentioned that before I forget. Amen. Um, it's so funny. I thought I knew what I was going to preach up until 9.37 this morning. Amen. And then I realized that I'm indeed human. I'm finite. Uh, man plans but God proposes. God, God sometimes proposes or displaces in dependent context. Amen. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift from our series because today I really thought I was gonna do the series. I've I've posted the sermon series on our flyers promoting that, so I knew that was what I was, we were gonna talk about. Uh, the Lordship of Christ, uh, you know, from the book of John. Uh, but I, I believe that God, God has impressed upon my heart to preach this message. Amen. So please go with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 is one of the best prophetic books or prophetic chapters in, in the whole of the Bible because Isaiah, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to detail to us the most important ministry of the Bible. And the most important ministry of the Bible is the ministry of reconciliation. And the ministry of reconciliation means that, first, what, what does reconciliation mean? It means that <clears throat> you are abridging the gap that exists between two feuding parties that were once in relation. So now when you put that in crisis scheme, the Ministry of Reconciliation means that there was going to be a period in this earth whereby God was going to abridge the world to himself, whereby sin which has served as a chasm between man and God will not exist. And that was going to happen based on the agency of his son dying on the cross. And that's why it's the most important ministry of the Bible, because it's through that that we have terms like salvation, repentance, reconciliation, and the like. Amen. So that's the most important ministry. So Isaiah 53 is a very crucial one. Amen. I want to just read a portion of that. So let's look at verses 4 to 5. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes 
we are healed. And based on this message, I'm preaching on what I call knowing Christ as a healer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is coming to us. We receive this word with humility of heart. We receive this word with a heart of faith. We thank you that this message will charge on us and will give us the, the, the desire to believe in you and know you as a healer. And not just that, oh Lord, but we will also relay this message to all and sundry. We thank you for the power of your spoken word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are living in a very interesting time. They said this time now is called the post-COVID time. And as you all know, we are in flu season. It is said that this might probably be the, the most dangerous flu season we've ever had because since, since the COVID, because COVID 2020 and then 2021, those were a bit measured. It, it was curtailed because of the lockdowns. But now they are calling something tripodemic. Tripodemic in the sense that there is COVID, there is flu, and then there is RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, you know, which has to do with the it attacks the respiratory functions of your body and you suffer with breathing and other stuff. So all these are out there. And even now, if you, you read the news, COVID is on the uptick again. So please just be careful, still maintain all the necessary safety protocols. Amen. Try not to get sick in this season. Amen. Um, I believe that God's word, it's everlasting and it's relevant whether there is a flu season or not. But I think God really wants to bring to our attention this morning that he is a healer. Uh, when it comes to the subject of healing, uh, many Christians tend to really struggle. When it comes to knowing Christ as a healer, that's also another thing. So the subject of healing is one thing. Now to know Christ as a healer, that also can also be a struggle in itself. Uh, there are many Christians that are in one camp that tend to know God as a savior, and they don't know him as a healer. They know him that he can forgive sins. They have enough faith to believe God that God can forgive my sins. They have enough faith that God can provide for me. But they don't have that same faith to, to believe God that when there is sickness in my body, I can be healed. That's an attack. There are other Christians too who don't really understand the message of healing or the promise of healing. Yet, they do their best to present Christ as a healer. That's so very dangerous. It's when you do that, you and the car salesman are no difference. And the reason why I say car salesman is because sometimes when you go to most of these uh, showrooms to go and buy a car, the salesman can give you a very good pitch, but he might not drive the car. Because he just works there. And sometimes we will be careful not to fall into that category. Amen. 
you see my the person who works at Audi showroom, but he doesn't drive an Audi. Uh, he works an Audi showroom because that is the job. He wants to be there, but he can give you all the specs, all the functions of how an Audi drives, but he himself might not drive one. And may we be careful not to project Christ as something to people outside our environment and we ourselves have not experienced them as such. So in this year of making Christ known, for you to have an effective message of making Christ known as a healer, you yourself will have to know him as a healer. You have to know him as a healer. And that is so important. Now, in Isaiah's prophetic message that he gave to the Israelites, one of the very most important things he talked about was the significance of Christ's death. He just didn't take time to underscore the details of how Christ was going to die, but he tried his best to just give a sneak preview of the significance of Christ's death. So he went on to say that the reason why he's going to be beaten so bad, and he gave a very graphic detail, if you take your time to read Isaiah 53, the reason why, excuse me, he's going to be beaten so bad that he will not even look like the son of man was he's going to be wounded for our transgressions. Since it's the reason why he will be beaten so bad. So during that time, when you guys are wailing, and when you guys are sad, because when Jesus was subjected to much cruelty and such inhumane torture. It was a very sad and a very depressing moment. It was so sad that the Bible says that even the clouds, the atmosphere changed. That was how bad it was. But the reason why such treatment had to be meted out to him was it's because of your transgression. All our sins, the law couldn't help us. Sacrifices couldn't help us. This is what God will see fit to help us, for God to bruise his son. Why? For our transgressions. That's the wounding. If you look at Christ, he was beaten, he was wounded, he was laid many stripes. And, and, and he went on to say that he's going to be crushed for our iniquities. You see, iniquity says things that is within. Transgression normally is open. Transgression is the same as trespass. You break a law. That is normally open. That is very evident, very outward. But iniquity are things that are within. Secret things. He was crushed for our iniquities. So the reason why Jesus Christ is not even going to look like a human being is going to be crushed, going to be bruised, going to be laid on so much stripes is, is for our iniquities. And then he went on to say, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. He is going to be 
chastised. And when he is chastised, why? For our peace. And what's the meaning of this peace here? This peace here means peace with God. I understand me. Peace with God. It's talking about harmony with God. It's talking about the reconciliation here. It's not necessarily talking about serenity, having a state of mind, being in a state of tranquil. That is not the peace it's talking about here. The peace that is talking about here is we 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 have been reconciled with God. We have come back to a place where we can say we have perfect harmony. That happened on the premise of Christ being chastised. And then now he said something, and by his stripes. You see, the stripes come from the chastisements. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. So it wasn't just reconciliation. Really deep into it, there's also another aspect of salvation, which is called healing. It comes from his stripes. So as a Christian, when you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you have to know everything that is entailed in the salvation experience. And one of the things that is entailed in the salvation experience is healing, which has to do with our physical bodies. Now, why will God heal? God will heal because God will want to express his lordship over sicknesses and diseases. God is not healing just because man will not die. Man will definitely die. You see, you can be healed a thousand times, but you will still not escape the reality called death. We will all come to a place where we will all die one day. How many years can you really live on this earth? Even if you should live a thousand years, your thousand years will still not outlast the span of this FCS. I understand me. So no, no matter what be the case, we will all die one day. But I believe that healing is in force because it comes to show us Christ's lordship over sicknesses and diseases. It also comes to show us that salvation is here now. It's the announcement of salvation. So healing has come to express Christ's lordship. Healing has also expressed to us that salvation is here now. One of the signs that we should know that salvation is here now is healing. So whenever healing takes place, it means that Christ is still in the business of restoring people into a relationship with God. That is the big thing. So Christ is not in the business of healing because of magic, they say. It's not a magic show. That is not why. Christ is in the business of healing to establish lordship. 
so that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, we can deflect all praise and all glory to him as the Lord of Lords. Because sometimes one of the ways you'll be able to know Christ is Lord is for you to know him as a healer. And then secondly, it has also come to let us know that we are now in the era of salvation. People can come to Christ. People can come to God and receive him as their Lord and personal Savior. And then they can also have what is called peace with God. And how would that peace prevail? That peace will prevail by receiving Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Now, it was also very important for this truth to be established because Christ also just doesn't have to be seen as a healer. Christ also has to be seen as God. Because the Jewish people, healing was not really a phenomenon. The Jewish people under the law, they knew God under eight redemptive names. And one of the eight redemptive names was Jehovah Rapha. That's the Lord, my healer. So the average Jew under the law all believed in healing. They believed that no man could heal. They believed that healing comes from God. So aside God, if anybody who is of flesh and blood can carry the power and the authority of God over sicknesses and diseases, God is projecting that person that that person is me. And one of the reasons why Jesus came, as we have been doing the book of John, was he came to reveal God the Father. And he came to reveal God the Father by nature, character, and also by works. And when we read the book of John, we, as we've been doing systematically, we've come to that. We've looked at his nature, which is sacrosanct with the Father. We've looked at some of the works that he did in, in, the, in the 14 chapters that we are doing so far, which is also sacrosanct with the Father, which makes us conclude that Jesus is not just the Son of God. Jesus is God. So Jesus exercising healing is also saying, I am the Jehovah Rapha that you knew under the covenants of the law. I am the same God. I am the same one. I and my father are one. I am the same God. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the same one that declared myself to Moses that I am. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the one that have come to reveal God the Father to you in nature and through works. And one of the works of God the Father was to heal. So ladies and gentlemen, it's important for us to strengthen our belief, our foundation, and our core in, in, in Christianity and understand that God is a healer. He's not just a forgiver. He's not just a reconciler. He also heals. And that is why he sent his son, Jesus, on this earth to establish that truth.
That is very important. So now go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Verse 16 to 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out their spirits with a word, and healed all all not some not most of them not majority but all all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses so the prophecy that Isaiah gave before Christ came into the picture, it's now being fulfilled in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. And when Jesus came, one of the very most important statements Jesus said was, I have come in the volume of the books. And what does it mean to come in the volume of the books? Jesus is saying that I have come to fulfill prophecy. So, Jesus, walking on this earth for 33 years, doing ministry for three years, he was just trying to fulfill every prophecy that was written in the book. He came in the volume of the book to do the will of the Father, that by the time he ascends back, everything concerning Scripture would have been fulfilled. So Jesus doing this is also attesting to the truth of Scripture. It means that Scripture cannot be broken. And it means that this is more than a promise. This is a reality. And after Jesus has left the scene, healing is still in operation. God still heals. As a matter of fact, he was able to delegate this same power to his disciples who were also able to heal. And then before he left, he, he promised disciples, all of us who will receive Christ. So it's not just us receiving healing. It's also us aligning ourselves to be a channel of blessing to other people, especially those who are sick. So it, for you to really let Jesus be known as a healer to your immediate family, your immediate circle, it's very important that you yourself know Christ as a healer. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what sickness that you have, Christ is still able to heal. And sometimes when you are looking at these things, focus on what the Word has said than experiences. You may know a Christian who has died. You may know a pastor who has died. You may know something that may have happened to Christian A, Christian B. But at the end of the day, just keep your eyes on what God has said. I think that one should hold more authenticity than P. 
people's experiences. Because mind you, people's experiences are very relative. And anything that is relative is also very subjective. It's subjective meaning that it can be argued. And you understanding me? At the end of the day, the word of God is not subjective. It is objective. It is truth because it has hard evidence. And especially for the past two years, with everything that has happened and all the horror stories of, of the COVID disaster and everything, it's, it's, it's become difficult for some people to believe that God still heals, even in the midst of calamity. But I came to encourage you this morning with a word from God that the Lord that we serve, who we know, the one that we've been studying in the book of John, he, he is not just a savior, he is also a healer. He came to fulfill scripture. You see, Christ is not just interested in offering you deliverance from sin, offering you deliverance from the wrath of God. He's also interested in you being free from pain and discomforts that will disturb your health and disturb your body. I believe strongly it is the will of God that you and I will walk in health. And that is the reason why healing is being made available. It expresses his lordship over sicknesses and diseases. It, it also lets us know that Jesus is that God, that God that Moses encountered in the Old Testament, that God that called himself, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. He is the same God that is still in the business of healing. So we thank God. The Bible lets us know, based on these two scriptures, I, I can surely say that Christ who heals is still the same God today in 2022. So in this flu season, don't be afraid. Just be judicious, be responsible. But at the end of the day, learn how to trust in God, your healer. And don't be afraid of the horror stories you will hear that will, let, that will throw you off knowing Christ as a healer that will throw you off the doctrine of healing. Believe in God as a healer. Amen. So I just want to preach this short message. And based on that, I just want us to have communion. Amen. Matthew chapter 26. Verse 26 to 30. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant 
which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, like some of you might know, maybe not all of you, but at this inception of the Holy Communion from the Passover feast, was when Jesus decided to give the significance of the moment. And the moment at that time was what they were partaking, which has now become like a sacrament to the body of Christ. So as Christians, we believe that whenever we take bread and wine, which symbolizes the blood and the body of Christ, we are having dress rehearsal because we believe that one day at the end of this age, we will meet with our Father in heaven again. And the Bible lets us know that it is that time that we will be able to eat and drink together again. So that's a very good thing. But secondly, it is also the celebration of the new covenants. Now, we take the bread because the bread is Christ's body. And Isaiah chapter 53 really spoke to us in detail what the soldiers did to Christ's body. They chastised it. And the Bible lets us know that it is on that chastisement that we have harmony with God. Where we are no longer at loggerheads. We have peace with God. That body was crushed or was bruised for our iniquities. Whenever we take the bread, remember the heavy price that Christ paid with that body. That body was wounded for our transgressions, our trespasses, our sins. That was the body that paid the price so that we can be justified because of the body. And most importantly, it is that body that stripes were laid on that we experience healing. So whenever we take the bread, that represents the body of Christ. We are celebrating Christ's victory over sin, Christ's victory over sicknesses and diseases. And when we understand that because we are in Christ, we have also experienced victory. And one of the things that every believer deserves, which is like children's bread, is healing. Shall we eat? He took the cup, gave thanks to it, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. So when we take the wine, the wine represents the blood of the new covenants. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, and when blood was oozing out of him, from his pierced hands, pierced feet, 
even on the even before he went to the cross, he was oozing of blood. It was cutting a new covenant. That's the new covenant of grace that you and I belong to. And that covenant is what makes us receive cleansing. Where the Bible says that we have received remission of sins. So under that covenant, you and I are free. Under that covenant, you and I are whole. Under that covenant, you and I are forgiven. Under that covenant, you and I are justified. Why? Because of his son's blood. It is paid for. That is why in Romans chapter 8, you and I can say that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. As you drink of this, you are delivered from your parcels. You are delivered from transgressions. You are delivered from iniquities. You, you have peace with God. So we are celeb- so communion is a time to celebrate what Christ did on the cross for you and I. Shall we drink? Anytime you experience any allergy or anything during this flu season, one of the best things to do is just take communion. Remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. See yourself as part of the new covenant. Enjoy every blessing unapologetically of the new covenant. Father, we thank you for delivering your word to your people. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins, the remission of our sins. Thank you for the healing of our physical bodies. We thank you for protecting us in this flu season. We thank you that we will walk healthy. We thank you for strong bodies you've given us. We thank you for long life. We thank you that none of us will die before our time, but we will fulfill the number of our days and fulfill our purpose until you see fit to call us home. Thank you that as we have heard this word, we are assured of your love you have for us. Thank you for healing. We know you as a healer, O Lord. Therefore, we pray that we'll be able to present you to this world as our healer. Thank you for what you've done. We give you praise now and forever. In Jesus' name. And if you receive this word, say amen. God bless you.